such an honor and a privilege to be back with you and to be just a part of this journey. If you're new here, um, it's just an exciting place to come and invest because you have so much ahead of you. Um, I remember when our team, we started in a cafetorium and, and, uh, and now you guys are, are, are several years into this and you're seeing some of you that are new and, and uh, I would tell them, you know, it's not an easy journey and, you know, set up, tear down, but if we stay with it, we stay true to who God's called us to be, we'll get the privilege of seeing so many people come to know Jesus and see such a great impact. And so um, I'm, I'm just thankful for all of you. I, I love uh, Aaron and Erica, their whole family. And uh, I, I met them again years ago and just could see God's hand on their life, God's plan for them. And uh, I don't have a lot of gifts. And in fact, uh, I, I think a lot of people come and see Milestone. I, I don't really know how to do much. I tell people that when they become part of our church. I went back home to my hometown. I grew up in Northeast Texas. I went back for a high school reunion, and my friends from high school said, Jeff, how do you lead that big church? You don't really know how to do anything. And uh, I, t I tell people, look, you need to have good expectations. But what I'm really good at is getting really good people to work together for a long time. And most of my team have been with me for over 20 years, and, uh, and I'm able to recognize potential. And so I see, I see that in your pastors. I see that in the team, Jason, Tan, uh, Tabby, and all of them. And, and, and I see God's potential in hand for you as a church family. And, um, and it's not really a great leadership team, though you have a great leadership team. What makes a great church is people like you who give and invest and, and give your time. And, and so I just, I'm excited about your new step. We're, we're continuing to pray about next steps for you as a church. And uh, I'm excited about this next step, get a little more space. Next time I come, I'm excited to see how all that turns out. It's going to be exciting. Uh, how many of you guys have been enjoying the seed series? You guys enjoying that? Um, what, a, what a great series because so much of this series, Seeds, is counterintuitive. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but the kingdom of God, the, the scripture, will, will go contrary to what you naturally think. Your flesh will lead you the wrong way. Your natural mindset, your background, your, your logic, your human intuition will lead you the wrong direction. But this seed series is so powerful because it is so counterintuitive to the way our worlds work. I'm going to ask if you have your Bibles, two places, Malachi chapter 3, but our main text for this week is 2 Corinthians 9. I'm going to look in verse 6. Now, now, why is seed so counterintuitive? The reason is we're bent toward the bigger. We're, we're bent toward larger. We're bent toward more, right? So, so we like, in fact, those of you new to Texas, you know, everything's bigger in Texas. I'm, I'm, I'm born and raised Texan, all right? So everything's bigger, you know? Uh, in fact, even our gas stations are bigger. How many of y'all ever been to Bucky's? Come on now. Hey. I mean, it's like you go down 35, and I don't know how much these people spend on marketing, but it's like, here's Bucky's, Bucky's again, Bucky's, you're 97,000 miles from Bucky's, you're 97,433 miles from Bucky's, you're 96,000 miles from Bucky's, won't you want to come to Bucky's, come meet the beaver, okay, it's awesome, you know, you go in there, you can get everything, man, you can get a meal, you can get some gas, you can get a birdhouse, come on. <laughs> 
You can get clothes. I mean, come on. I, where'd you get that? I, I bought it at Bucky's. You know what I'm saying? Where'd you get your jacket, Pastor? I bought it at Bucky's. You know? <laughs> it's like they got everything. Are you with me? Everything today is bigger, more. We got more TV channels. More TV channels. It's like, it's like never ending. I, I mean, when I grew up, there were three TV channels. My dad would get in his recliner, break it down with that one wood thing on the side. Y'all remember? <laughs> Be three channels. We had no remote. I was the remote. Boy, get up. Change the channel. of Put a little foil on those antennas. You know what I'm saying? Get maybe a station from somewhere in another state. Maybe we got four channels. Are y'all with me? So we're bent toward the bigger I was on the airplane the other day. I was on an airplane, and uh, I sat down beside this guy. We just start making small talk. And uh, he said, what's your name? I said, my name's Jeff Little. Nice to meet you. He looked at me real funny. Now, a lot of times that happens to me. They'll be like, well, I go to your church, or I saw you preach or something, you know. And so he's looking at me kind of funny. He goes, I go, what, what's wrong? He goes, your name is Jeff Little? He said, I want to show you my name. He gave me his little ticket stub. His name was Jeffrey Bigger. <laughs> Man, I'm thinking. Man's name was Jeffrey. Jeffrey Bigger was sitting by Jeffrey Little. That really happened. <laughs> How many of you know we, we like bigger? We like more. And although he was about five foot four, I was a lot bigger than him. But anyway, <laughs> Jeffrey Bigger was shorter than Jeffrey Little. But. So why are we talking about seeds? Let me, let me give you a little review of the series because you've been going through this. Seeds are important to God. Seeds actually grow into trees, and trees are the third most common noun in the Bible behind God and people. Jesus loved parables. He loved to teach in parables, and many of his parables featured seeds. God calls his word a seed, if you let the Word of God come into your heart and life as a seed, it'll multiply and grow, and ultimately you can renew your mind. His son Jesus is a seed that went into the ground and died, but was resurrected on our behalf. And so the principle of the seed, you're like, what's this whole series about? This whole series is about you understanding that God is God, and He's God all by Himself, and He's in control of the universe. There's no molecules outside of his control. But he gave us this process called the seed to cooperate with him. We can participate with God. And so we can cooperate with God according to the principle of the seed. Well, this week I want to talk to you about this principle of multiplication. It's really fascinating and really mind-blowing for us that the way God organized the natural world, that one seed, I don't know if you ever thought about this, one seed of acorn doesn't just make one tree, but from one seed can come a forest of trees. So it's not that it's just one-to-one, -one, it's multiplication. God multiplies above and beyond. And so I want to talk to you this week. You've been talking about multiple aspects of it, and this is just the week where I fell. Uh, this is just the week that, that happened. It's, it's, it, I didn't get to choose. I didn't get to pick. You know, your pastor said, okay, you're up for this week. And so my topic is I want to talk to you about money because money is a seed. And how you think about that can affect your life. Now, I know some people come to church and say, why would churches talk about money? 
And people say, why would a pastor preach on money? Well, let's go back to we don't preach just what we want to preach. We preach the Word of God. And so the Word of God, actually, Jesus talked a lot about money. The Bible talks a lot about your resources. I do want to make sure that you understand I am talking about money as it relates to the seed, and I'm going to show it to you from Scripture, but I don't want us to limit it to just to that. Because the principle really is not just your treasure, but also your time, your talent, your resources. I mean, the truth is God's called on us to see all of those things as seed in his kingdom. So I want to talk to you about your money. And you say, why do churches talk about money? Because you talk about it. You worry about it. You think about it. You are going to go to work tomorrow and hopefully try to make some of it. So therefore, you're handling it. It's not a matter of if we handle it. Now we have our online apps and different things, and we can monitor it more than we ever had. How many of y'all remember we used to have to wait you know, for a month to get a bank statement to see, to see if your checkbook was actually balanced? The young people in the room are like, what's a checkbook? I'm like, it's this thing that has paper in it. You write on it, right? It is, anyway. And so now, though, you can, you can look and you can, you can actually obsess and, and you can monitor it and, and, and look at it and focus on it. And sometimes you can begin to worship it. And God wants us to worship Him with everything that He's given us. We start in the Bible with a principle of stewardship. So money is referred to as a seed in the Bible. You may not have known that. But if we're going to do a series on seeds, then we have to also talk about our resources are connected to this word seed according to Scripture. Now, before I show you from 2 Corinthians 9 how the seed principle with your resources work, I have to start at the foundational level. The foundational level is where we start and the first place we go. The beginning place that we go is that we don't sow the tithe, we bring it back to God. That's very important that you get what I'm saying. Because some people may think, man, I, I sowed really big this weekend. I, I sowed, and, I, and if it involves the tithe, you're not actually at a point of sowing yet. You're only returning back to God that's actually what is his originally. Okay? And, and, and I tell you this because I love you. I'm telling you this if we met on the street. I'm telling you what I tell my own children. I'm telling you what I grew up with. I grew up, I was fortunate to grow up in a house that set this book right up here as the authority. My dad didn't say, I'm the authority. He said, God's the authority. I'm under this. I live under the authority of this. By the way, all you young families, you might want to start by setting the word of God up as the authority at your house because when you get teenagers, they get opinions. Now, I've raised some. I've got two off the payroll. Somebody give him praise right now, okay? Come on. My oldest daughter is pregnant. We're having a reveal day on Friday. I feel a grandpa anointing coming up on me. Y'all know what I'm saying, man. I'm feeling power. But I taught my children. Did you know one of the key things that I believe is important for parents is to teach your children how money works, to teach them why it's going to affect their life and influence their life, and it's part of the Word of God. So when it comes to the tithe, I want to read you the passage of Scripture from Malachi 3.10. Bring, notice, bring. You're not sowing anything yet. 
bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And this is, I don't know, somebody may show me, but I don't know another place in the Bible where God is so clear about, you can actually test me in this one. It's so amazing to me, discipling men. I've done, I have Monday, I'm starting a new group, 6.30 a.m. with a group of men. I'm, a, I'm passionate about discipling men. And I've done hundreds of these groups. I've met with hundreds of guys. I show them this verse from the word of God, and I'm still amazed at the number who don't do it. The same Bible that says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. The same Bible that talks about heaven. The same Bible that has every other passage in it from God. He says, bring this whole tithe to the storehouse. Test me. Just test me. Just try it. And you know, fear is such a powerful force. And there's no greater fear than the fear of not having enough. And man, it's like it'll just grip people. But... But let's let the Word of God, remember it's a seed, let's let it go into our hearts and grow, not what we see in the natural. Bring that whole tithe into the storehouse. I've done this since I was a kid. I, don't, I have tested him. I don't regret one minute. I don't regret anything about it. Why? Because he says this, and see if I will not open, throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to contain it or even to, even to store it. I've met lots of people. I've met people who never tested him, but I've met those people have the same report that they in their life have not seen the results of this, but I've never met a person who's a tither who doesn't say, and it's not just monetary blessing. I don't understand really truthfully how God's grace and God's favor has been on my business, been on my life, been on my family. I just, I can't, sometimes I can't contain the blessing of how much God has been so good. It's the testimony of every tither. And it's a promise from the word of God. You're like, are you just looking at one verse? No, Leviticus says it's holy. Proverbs says, bring your first fruits to God and he'll fill your barns. Jesus affirmed it in Matthew 23, 23, when he says, do it, but actually Jesus takes it up another notch and says, actually do it with the right heart. Are you with me? That's the problem with the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's like, obey these principles. And Jesus is like, I'm going to write them on the tablets of your heart. You're like, what's tithe? Some people say, well, I tithe 3%. That's a tip. Because tithe means tenth. I have pastors say, well, just do what you can. No, I appreciate doing what you can, but partial obedience is not obedience. It's a tenth. That means if you make $50,000, it's easy math. $50,000 is $5,000. When I got my first little bit of lawn mowing money, I got it. I, I remember first time I mowed, mowed some yards and man, I don't know what it was, $40, $50. And my mom said, okay, we're going to church this Sunday. You're going to tithe. And I remember right there at the very beginning, you're like, ah, how many of you know it's simple math? And so what is God really testing? He's testing the heart. Every time you bring your first fruits to God, you're dethroning the spirit of mammon in your heart and life. You're worshiping God and saying, you are God and you are God alone. There are no other gods before you. You are my source. You are my provider. Every time you do that, you're reminding your fleshly heart that says, Aah! 
But you know what I found? The only way you do it is if you really believe God provided it anyway. Years of research on this, pastoring for now 30 years, fear so powerful, the spirit of mammon on our culture, God says you can't worship both him and money. Here's what I've learned. It's really two principles. Is God's word true? If it is, I'm going to obey it no matter what I feel like. And really, is God the provision of it all? When my kids were younger, I would take them on Fridays. I would pick them up from school and I would take them on an ice cream date, right? So we'd go get ice cream every Friday. By the way, I love ice cream, man. I mean, I, I love, I can deny a bunch of desserts, but some ice cream, baby. Some bluebell ice cream. Can I have an amen? Can I have a witness? From Texas also. Bluebell. We don't care about Ben and Jerry's. We don't care about all that other. We're talking about some bluebell with that sugar mixture up in there. It'll set you free. And so... I would take my kids on an ice cream date and I would pull up to the window. Everybody would make their order. And then the ice cream would start getting passed. And of course, dad, I'm dad and I'm their pastor. So I got to get a tithe. Can I have a win? Dad's got to get a tithe. You know what I'm saying? As soon as it comes through, I start getting my tithe. I start getting my 10%. Are y'all with the whole 10? Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Are you with me? That there may be ice cream in my belly. And so I start, and then they would start roaring from the back because it's such a natural response. If any part of it goes away, then I have fear that all of it will go away. And so I have this lack mentality that's in our flesh. Oh, dad, dad, stop, dad. Okay, dad. Okay. Okay, dad. I'll be like, hmm. Hmm. And they'd be like, that's my ice cream. I'm like, hold on just a minute. I need to give you a biblical revelation. I bought the ice cream. Are you with me? So isn't it amazing when God says 10%, the whole tithe, we start with that. Oh God, oh. And he's like, everything you have, I've given it all to you anyway. I'm your source. And so when that comes into a place of not just information, but revelation, it's life-changing, really. It's life-changing. So if I had advice for you, you're like, man, I'd really like to get into what we're going to read here in 2 Corinthians 9. You can't get to 2 Corinthians 9 if you don't start at the foundation of the tithe. But once you have established that, and by the way, that's basic Christianity. That's basic level. You know, it's, it's very, ba- that's the starting point. That's just the beginning place. But 2 Corinthians 9 takes us to a different place of multiplication. I love this. 2 Corinthians 9 says this. This is speaking about money. The apostle Paul is actually raising money for an offering to advance the kingdom. Some of you are like, why do churches talk about money? Paul, in his letters, wrote support letters in the B-I-B-L-E. He was talking about resources from one church to help another church. Look what it says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Everybody wants to reap bountifully. They just have a problem with sowing bountifully. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. 
Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. I want you to make sure you understand this. We're talking about practical things. We're talking about green pieces of paper with presidents on them. We're talking about just money is not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. Money is just a tool. It's just something to steward. But notice Paul goes to the heart. The reason that God talks to us about money is he doesn't need any. He has cattle on a thousand hills. He has streets of gold. He could just chip a brick out. Boom, throw it down to you. God is not broke. He has no problem. What does he talk to us about for? Because he's after our heart. Remember, we've been learning in the seed series, it's about our hearts cooperating with God. Would you rather try to fix everything yourself, do everything yourself, ask God to bless it, or would you like God on the front end of everything you're doing? God, I want you to bless every bit of it. The plans, the strategies, the energy, the effort, the work. He can open doors that no man can shut. He can cause things to happen that you can't make happen. So he wants to talk to us about our heart. Not reluctantly are under compulsion. We've seen improper appeals. You've seen things that have done, been done improperly. The Bible speaks to that. Not causing people to do something under compulsion or out of selfish motives. For God loves a cheerful giver. Well, you talk about, isn't that a great place to come where you really begin to see the Word of God active in your life where you go, man, this is a joy. This is a joy to be a cheerful giver, it says. And God is able is, do you believe he's able? Do, I'm telling you today, he is able. I moved to Keller, Texas with a suitcase and 32 people. Our last project right now, $27 million for this expansion. The generosity of people, we have, have given over 21 million of that cash. You say, why is that? Because people don't listen just to what you say they reproduce around the culture of who you are. If you want your kids to be generous, then model generosity in front of them. Model it in front of them. And so it says here, he's able. Here's what I know. He's able to cause things to happen. He's able to open up doors. He's able. He's able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you'll abound in every good work. What a great just statement from the Apostle Paul, God, let me so steward the things you've given me so well that at any time, in any opportunity, I have the ability to be a blessing to somebody else. As it is written, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now, this is a very important part of the text. Now, he who supplies seed, he supplies seed to who? The sower. He's going to, see, he's looking for rivers. He's looking for conduits. He's not looking for reservoirs. He supplies seed to sowers and bread for food. I think that's really important. So sometimes there's been improper appeals where you feel like, man, is the church asking for my bread? Well, God says here, he wants you to have your bread, your bread for food, your bread for life. He even says, I give you all things in life to, be, to have as richly be able to enjoy. Like, did you know God's okay with our enjoyment? He, he doesn't give us just enough. He's okay with us enjoying life, but he doesn't mind us having some things. He just doesn't want things to have us. 
They can't have us. They can't have our heart. So what do we do? We keep pushing out, sowing seed so that it keeps dethroning that spirit of mammon that wants to come upon us. And so he says here, you have bread for food. God wants to give you bread for your food. But you know what? Seed is only for sowing. It's only for sowing. And we'll also supply and increase your store of seed. He'll enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And this is the key part. The last part of this section is through your generosity, it will result in thanksgiving to God. So the last part of it, he talks about that when you understand this seed sowing principle, then you begin to see thanksgiving to God made by other people. Can I go back to the tithe for a minute? A lot of people, if you know those set of verses, talk about how he rebukes the devourer. And we're, it says that we're stealing from God when we don't tithe. But actually, what actually the real key part of that passage, and people are like, man, the devil will steal your washing machine and, and you got to tithe. And I mean, people get kind of caught up in that. Did you know what the real thesis of that Malachi 3 says? It says that the foreign nations look at you if you don't bring God the tithe, if you don't live this way, and they say it's vain to worship your God. Can I encourage you with something? That if we as believers don't trust God enough to give a minimum of our tithe and then also see the kingdom that we're blessing, I'm talking time, talent, treasure. If we're not investing in it, why would a lost world look at us and say that your God is worth worshiping? Because when you find people, who doesn't want to be around a generous person? Man, you get around a generous person that's just, man, what do I have? anything I have, I want to help you. How can I give to you? When you live that way, people are attracted to people who live with the spirit of generosity. But really, it's ultimately about the heart. Jesus makes a powerful phrase when it comes to resources. He says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So, so how we handle our treasure impacts how our heart actually is doing. When I was about 23 years old, I bought some stock in Walgreens, <clears throat> okay? My financial advisor said, Jeff, you don't need to buy individual stocks. Just invest in your 403B. Focus on that. And I, he's like, why are you doing it? I was just like, I don't know. I just want to do it. I just want to try it. You know, I just want to, I just, I want to do it. So I looked and I saw the things and stuff and I'm like, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. But anyway, I, I was like, man, I'm going to invest in some Walgreens stock. 23 years old. I don't know how much, 100 bucks, 200 bucks. Okay, I put it in some Walgreens stock. You know what happened? The next week, my wife was shopping at Walgreens. She took me with her. We walked in Walgreens. I thought, somebody needs to paint this place. Who's in charge of these end caps? This floor's kind of dirty. Are you with me? Yeah. It's amazing how when I suddenly was invested, I actually cared about what was going on. That's what happens in the kingdom. When you start focusing on seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, all these things will be added. As you invest your time, talent, treasure in the kingdom, you start finding your heart follows. That's a principle of the way this Bible works. As you sow toward what God says, as you dethrone your fears, as you live that way, what you begin to find is we're not like the world. The world is led by their feelings. Biblical Christians are led by the authority of the Word of God. And so we don't have to feel it to obey it. We can do it afraid. I'm going to do it afraid and test you. And when we do, we find our hearts follow. 
let's talk about this principle. How does this process of sowing and reaping work? Well, number one, we receive seed from God. He just said that. I'm going to give sowers more seed. So we constantly remind ourselves, my job is not my source. Do you know, percentages say that 70% of people go to a job every day that they don't like, they don't enjoy, they have struggles and problems. And I would say it's because we don't understand that God is our source. We work not unto man, we work unto God. When you bring the kingdom into what you do every day, it's amazing how it changes what you do because you know why you do it. What you're doing it for. You also understand God is my source. He's bigger than my boss. Promotion doesn't come from the east or the west. It comes from the hand of Almighty God. And so God is my source. And here's what happens. God has a way of reminding us of this too. He has a way of showing it to us. My dad in northeast Texas, he loved St. Augustine grass. Come on now. Not that Bermuda grass, I mean, I appreciate it, but come on. If you take your shoes off walking some St. Augustine grass that's real thick and lush, anybody with me? It's like heavenly, man. This is like amazing. My dad had a big stand of St. Augustine grass, and, uh, and I grew up out in the country, so we didn't, we didn't have like you know, automated sprinkler systems. I was the remote. I was the sprinkler system. Are you with me? We'd get that little wagon thing that would roll around on the hose and we'd move them around, you know, you get a hot spot, whatever. And sometimes there would be little brown places. He'd go after school, he'd say, Jeff, get out there and water my grass. So I'd have to go around to the other side of the house, gun roll that hose, go all the way back around to the other side of the house, and I'd start watering his St. Augustine grass. You had to get real wet. And I'd start watering all of a sudden There'd be no water. I run back around to the other side, and I had two sisters, one of my sisters that have the hose kinked. Are you with me? What are you doing? It's amazing. You unkink the hose, run back around, and there's water coming out. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but you can have a time where you're like, the hose got kinked. Because we have a tendency to think we're making the water come through the hose. And God will just go, you're like, oh man, I've gotten off. It's amazing when you get your heart back aligned. God, wait a minute, I return to you what is yours. I'm a sower, I'm a conduit. I'm a conduit for your kingdom. And it's amazing how as you keep that mindset, you begin to see God's hand in your life in this area. Here's the second thing, we sow seed generously. We're stewards of what he has given us. I wrote this down. We want to, many times in our lives, we want to hold on to our seed. We want to stretch our seed. We want to store our seed. God says, if you're worried about your seed lasting, sow it. Seed is for sowing. God gives seed to sowers. Now, I want you to, again, let me just say, we're talking about in this passage money. But it's not just money. If you want a friend, teach your kids this. We, we, we don't want to set up our kids that like everything has to revolve around you. Like everyone should be a friend to you. Like we are so messing up the world today by making them the center of the universe. You're not preparing them for real life. I don't teach my kids everyone should be a friend to you. I teach them wherever you go, you be friendly. You be a friend. 
you sow to someone else. When you show up at college, everybody there's insecure. You be the one that's giving away security. You be the one who's giving away love. As you do that, anyone who is a friend will have a lot of friends. They're going to have friends. Why? Because generous people, you give away, and the same thing you do, you, as you do, you receive back. If you want more love from your spouse, then sow more love. It's just a principle of the kingdom. Did you know I love, here's one of the verses I love actually. Generous people are always devising ways to be generous. Man, I'm telling you, you can take this to a place in your life where you go, you see everything in life as an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus, to be generous on every occasion. As you begin to get that mindset, here's what you begin to find. God keeps giving you more seed. Because you're looking for opportunities to sow. And here's the most important thing that we need to understand. Because the sum total of this passage, the Malachi passage, they all end up here. Generosity impacts eternity. It's really, it's really in our lives, we're all thinking about ROI, right? Return on investment. If I told you today, guaranteed, no doubt, Hey, here's something you can invest in. It's going to give you a 15%, a 18%, a 25% return. Everybody would line up to say, let me invest in that because we want a return on our investment. Now, here's the counterintuitive mindset shift with seed in the Bible. Seed in the Bible is not ROI, it's E-R-O-I. It's eternal return on investment. It's eternal return on investment. So when I talk about this principle, this is not karma. This is not turning God into a cosmic bellhop. Sometimes we learned in this series, here's how good God is. We reap where we did not sow. Let me say this. When you were bankrupt, spiritually, God sowed his son. Not a, but when we could do nothing, we, we didn't earn it. We didn't make it happen. We didn't, he, he said, I'm going to sow my son into your life and give you the opportunity to have a relationship and have eternal life by sowing his son. So in the kingdom, there's also this mindset that says it's not one-to-one. Oh, if I do this, God's going to do this. The blessing of God is so much greater than just practical resources, but it does include that. It does include that. It's eternal return on investment. So the Apostle Paul here is saying, just think about you sowing and reaping. And he says, think about all the people that are going to give thanks to God because of your investment. I want to give you an illustration for just a minute to just show you how this works. I'm going to ask you all just to stand on your feet. I'm going to pray for you. In 2018, your pastor, Erica, they had a dream in their heart for a church in San Antonio. Myself and a few others, we got behind them and said, hey, we're going to help you. I, I, I stored their sound system for them, helped them buy the sound system, helped them store it for several months in our church and, and just began to surround them and, 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 and give them the tools and, and help them and some other people came around and invested in them. And, and so 
that then resulting in that sowing and then them sowing and then a core group of people sowing results in a powerful thing. I want to show it to you for just a minute. So how many of you were, were here in 2017 or 2018? Raise your hand and say, I was here. I was a part of that initial group. Well, if that's you, I just want you to sit down for just a minute. Just sit down if that's you. All of you that were part of that original group. And, and how many of you came maybe a couple years later? You, you were here in 19 or 20. How many of you say, hey, I was here in 19, 20? Well, sit down if you came around 19 or 20. And then how many of you came in the last two years? Raise your hand and say, I came in the last two years. So, so all across this room, I, I, I want you to see the principle that the people seated along the way sowed toward an eternal investment to meet people like all of you. I, I want you to know this, this room is filled with people and there were a group of people who had never met anyone or any one of you who sowed into them, who those people came along and sowed and, and then all of you came along and, and, and then look today at the eternal reward of all the people that are standing in this room. Let's all stand up on our feet and give God a round of applause for the eternal investment. Here, here's, here's, here's a church that God puts his hand on. Here's a home. Here's a business that God will keep putting his hand on. It's a heart thing. When you just say, Lord, I, I just want to be available and used by you. He, his eyes search to and fro across the whole earth for people like that, that he can show himself strong on their behalf. I, I would pray this prayer for all of us today. May we be counted as among those people who say, God, I want to be a sower. I, I want to be a sower. Because in black and white, he gives seed to the sower. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. There's maybe somebody here and you're like, man, I appreciate all of this teaching. It's very practical. But when I talked about Jesus being sowed for us, you're like, I'm not in a right place with Jesus. And, and the whole message of the gospel is a message of generosity. It's the generosity of our God. For God so loved you, he gave his only son. Jesus, they didn't take his life. He willingly gave it. He gave it for you and me. If you're here and you're not right with Him, you can just pray a simple prayer with me. It's not about the words. It's really about your heart. You can just say, Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. I, I, I repent because I have turned away from you. I, I've lived a life that's opposite of what you desire. But I thank you that you've generously continued to reach out to me. And I today realize and believe that you died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead. So I receive you today. Jesus is a great gift, but you've got to receive it. So I receive you today as my personal Lord and Savior. I accept you today. In Jesus' name, I'm going to ask everyone to keep their heads bowed. I want to know if you prayed that prayer with me. You say, Pastor, I just, I just, just committed myself to him. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you come forward. Would you just slip your hand up? You say, Pastor, that's me. I, I prayed that prayer with you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? If you prayed that prayer, several hands in this room, I'm, I'm going to ask you 
to take some of the next steps that we have here at the church. And uh, you're going to hear more about those. You you don't want to just now go off into your life. The Bible says that you're a baby in Christ and God gives you the church to grow you and develop you. And this is a church that has steps for you. So I don't want to make it overcomplicated. It's really this simple. Just take your next step. Just keep taking your next step. Now that you say, I've surrendered, just take your next step. But second of all, Lord, I pray right now. Lord, I pray where there may be someone here, they feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, not the condemnation. Condemnation is not from the Holy Spirit, but conviction is. Conviction is, Lord, I want to align with your word. I want to align with your truth. And so if there's someone or people here that say, look, I've not been faithful with tithing. I pray today, Lord, they would get right with you and and just begin to participate in what you've given us as this way of worshiping you, really. Lord, second of all, I pray you would raise up an army of sowers. I pray over businesses right now. I pray over jobs. And Lord, I thank you today that you are our source. You are our source. You are our provider. You are Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And we thank you today, Lord, that as we participate with you in sowing, you supply seed to the sower. In Jesus' name, amen.